river kingdoms are an ever-warring group of city-states, kingdoms, and fiefdoms, where lives are threatened every day by conquerors, wars, assassinations, games of politics, and dangerous monsters. South of Mavoy sits the stolen lands, stolen from me and my kind, and degenerated into savage conflict. I have been called by many names, Titania, Nerissa, the Queen of Forgotten Time. Herein lies the end of Stagthorn's tale, where Caelan Peacebringer has finally taken control of the wilderness, monsters, romantic entanglements, the affairs of ancient gods, and war. I will lift the heavy burden from his head and bring Stagthorn peace forever. Sugarfueled Gamers, in association with RPGMP3.com, present Kingmaker, a Paizo Adventure Path. Episode 135. And last we left our heroes, Caitlin was chilling with brother number four. Yes, we had also a we had a very dramatic battle. Yep. In which we killed all the monsters as Triss um uh, brought with him and pointedly not Triss. And Triss so tried didn't to kill all the monsters. <laughs> and Triss tried to kill us, but not with it had to be said a hundred percent conviction. And then in the end we sheathed our weapons and Tristram stood directly in the path of his arrows, and Triss decided he didn't want to kill us after all. Which Helen was certainly not 100% certain that was the way that was going to go down. Well, you know, he did um, put them all into Tristan and then decide yeah. that he couldn't go further with it. Yes, Helen and Tristan are both horribly, horribly injured. So you have not, per se, uh, necessarily rescued the farmers yet because there are still plenty of harvest haunts around the place. There's at least one inside. Yeah. And three or four more that you have walked past in the fields. Yeah. On the other hand, um, you know, yeah. that may not necessarily be a huge issue. So, I believe we, we sort of left out right there. Yeah, so um, Tris actually said something akin to, well, big brother, what do we do now? Yeah. And that was where we cut out. Yeah. So, he looks pretty spent. Um, a little physically, mostly emotionally. He's invested a lot in this point and very much is, has no idea what to do with himself past this. But then that's kind of always been Triss's thing. He's, his master plan was sort of very abstractly, like he'd He's a bit kick- Zuko-y in this regard. Yeah, yeah, very much so. He was he was clear that he wanted to kill Tristan and take Tristan's place. Yeah. But not really how any of the nitty-gritty details of that would work. Yeah. Like just, like, killing Tristan will get him his life back. Yeah, but he sort of... He's lurched from random grand gesture that's going to solve all his problems to another grand gesture that's going to solve all his problems without yeah. ever actually explaining how any of them, if, had he succeeded in them, would have solved his problems. I mean, if he had run the rush type... It, to admit, Caleb was unlikely to abdicate on the spot. <laughs> That's okay. So, um, at this point, like, um, 
Caelan and Tristram are both horribly, horribly injured. Yeah. Tristram's just got shot in point-blank range by a considerable number of arrows. Yeah. Caelan's on about 20 hit points, um, having um, had the crap beaten out of him. Although Triss notices that none of that was from Triss attacking him. Triss just chose not to when Caelan forced the issue. Yeah. But Caelan was already horribly hurt. So, um, yeah, at this point, um, and... Kaelin processes what Triss says and just kind of stares at him for a moment. Bloody hell. Oh, I... Oh. Thank you. I... And Kaelin will sort of kind of tentatively hold out his arms. Triss looks at it like he just has no idea what to do with this and then just kind of flops onto the ground, sits down on what's essentially a random gravel driveway. Um, The bow is still within the arm's reach of him um, and you see him kind of glance at it. Um, The impression you're getting is less that he's going to go for it and more uh, very much like Caelan, this is not something Tristan has, um, He's been trained with it so long and so hard that having a weapon to hand is just natural for him. Yeah. And it, there's just that vague, awkward fidget behind this, you know, I'm yeah. not armed, what if things jump out and attack me? But he mostly just sort of slumps to the ground and runs his fingers through his short cropped hair and looks blankly at you. Alright, and Caelan will at this point sit down in a very similar manner just across from him. And kind of also flops. Look up Tristram and hold out a hand. <sighs> I don't know. I I didn't really expect that to work. I I don't have a plan for this part. I. <sighs> Let's just have a moment. He will, uh, if he has not already, um, he has doubtlessly already sort of taken off his Darkwood helm, because he's got the face concealing full plate like you do, sort of takes it off and then just sits there looking at it. Um, Unlike the Clockwork King's armour, it isn't particularly remarkable in any way other than the fact that it's made of wood and enchanted to be as hard as steel, Um, but it clearly means a lot to him. He's very much sitting there looking into his own helm and looking into his own face and just sort of sits there. And I imagine you guys sit for a few minutes. Yeah, I think I think in badly silence with no idea what to say. Yeah. And in the background you can sort of hear the farmers happily sort of and then Sally and then Sally says to me, just still happily continuing their feast in the background. So and then after a few minutes Kelsey's says so I should kind of probably mention that um, Titania not being best pleased with us, Tristram and I are both suffering from something of a curse. In his case, it means if he gets emotional about something, he can't talk about it very well. That's why he went incoherent on you. He wasn't casting a spell or something. He just, when he's trying to say something, he can't, he can't make it come out right. And Tristram. Turns to Tristan turns to his brother and says, Triss, I 
I, I, I want you to to tell Shiana Dragonmore Dakrathi. Like that. I I I see. I just making the now that the, we can talk with it being slightly less fraught. I love her too. Not the way you do. I didn't grow up with her, but I, she was my ally and my friend for three years, maybe more, several years. I don't want to kill her. Titania has been the closest thing to a mother I've had in as far as I can remember. Not my whole life, I suppose. Again, long, awkward pause. A very distant mother. Well, I suppose you know how that goes. And Kaelin will... The silence takes on a slightly different quality. And uh, Actually, my mum was... My mother was pretty great. But... It wasn't easy for her bringing me up. Oh, I mean... I... I, I meant our father. I... Oh, I didn't know him until I was well grown. And he's not the most demonstrative of men. But I had a much easier time with him, all things considered, than Tristram did. I'm the sort of son, I guess, that he expected he was going to have. I know where you've come from. You've lost interest in both of you. All about our family, he says, and very clearly just takes in Caleb with this. Yeah. Um, When I realised I had to find out everything I could about it. It's up to you what you do now, but it would be really great if you would come home with us. I don't know if that's something you feel like you could do, but that's what I would want you to do. And I can definitely speak for Elvis and Van, and him as well, and I nodded Tristram when I said that's what they would want you to do. Home was the Thorn Estates in Brunoy. I, I understand they're not even there anymore. I can't offer you your childhood home. I mean, it's, I don't know what's come of it, but Mavoy now father moved the, the whole kit and caboodle down, but... Yes, and insofar as you have to be aware, and you doubtlessly have followed this to some extent, um, 
the the manor is still there. It just now belongs to someone else. It's literally being given away by the nobility of Ravoy. If you were desperate for it, you could undoubtedly buy it back again. But we have a Thorn Estate on the in Elk's Rest. It's something you have a right to. Y- yes, if you want. Yes, I do. I have a right to what's mine. Looks at Tristan. Just sort of shakes his head. But I'm I'm supposed to be what would I even do? I don't know how to do anything except be the king. And I'm I'm really starting to think that maybe, just just maybe that's not as easy as it looks. Well, what you would do is kinda up to you. I mean one of the advantages is Again, this isn't something that I grew up with, but my understanding is one of the advantages of the being a noble of a house is that the house will support you. There's a lot of different things that you could do. I think what you might want to do for a start is just... Everything okay? Yeah. Is it feeling better? That's the case. What you might want to do for a start is... is Meet people, get to know the place style of thing. If you're worried about having something useful to do, you're one hell of a fighter. And if you were willing to be part of the kingdom, there's plenty of things that you could do. For that matter, you're pretty young yet. You could learn to do any number of other things if you wanted. And you have a whole family, says Tristan. Two brothers, three brothers, um, there are, um, you, you can fight if you've been living in the first world, you know what you're doing. You can probably, I mean, a, a warden or, or the likes of, we can, the kingdom, I mean, can, can certainly find it useful you, and then there's, um, then it's your family, brothers, and and your father. Brothers, and, and your father, and uh, your mother-in-law. <laughs> I don't know that Crystal would think of herself as um, any kind of mother-in-law, but the family's getting bigger now. You, there's her and Svetlana. She's a good lass. A sister-in-law. I mean, you'd probably be surprised how many people are interested in marrying into the nobility. And Triss just goes sort of progressively more and more white as this list Um, goes on and then sort of comes out with girls? There's no rush on that kind of thing. You can take your time. Like, boy, you think you suck with women. (laughs) But the main thing is... You don't have to deal with it all in one go, yeah? I mean, 
I know that it's your birthright and everything, but I also know you haven't spent much time in this world. It's all got to be pretty new, and I do understand that part. I can assure you, I, however little you may think you know, I knew a lot less trying to fit into human society after growing up in an orc tribe. I mean, you can, you know, speak tell Dane, do the knife and fork, all that kind of stuff. Read, probably. <laughs> it's gonna be, it'd be tough, but you don't have to do it all in one go, like. You could just, you know, come and see the place. Meet, meet Barn. Barn. Yes, I, I suppose I'll have to. I mean, I should. Um, He'd be really glad to see you. This wasn't what was supposed to happen. I, I, we've been, I've been watching you, researching you, having the fail learn things about you for some while to get your nature, but you don't do what you're supposed to. And Kellen will look slightly blank. Tristan, on the other hand, look, nods very acceptingly at this. Uh, Kellen will look at both of them in a slightly bewildered manner. What am I supposed to do? Oh, uh, he means like a fae. Uh, the fae are their natures. If you know what a fae is, you can predict how it will act. Uh, the... Oh, right. The, uh, the less powerful the fae, the more freedom they have to make their own choices. When you get up to someone more as powerful as Titania, she is her nature. From a certain point of view, she has no choices at all. Um... This is what Triss has been dealing with his entire life. And Triss, you know, nods like, yeah, I mean, obviously. Alright, um, mortals don't exactly work like that. We can do pretty much whatever we want. We're not quite as predictable. So... But as people go, I'm, I'm fairly predictable. I'm sure many people will tell you that. So, like the wriggling man. Uh, no? No, not like him. Because he's a bad guy. We're not like him. I mean, I don't know him very well, but everything I found out about him suggests I don't want to know him better. He's been... Triss looks very vaguely insulted by this. He's been the closest thing I've had to a brother in my life. I mean, you're not wrong in any way. Sort of like one of those brothers that sets fire to your toes periodically so that you'll dance faster. Like I said, I've only had brothers since I was growing, but speaking as someone who's had brothers for a good few years now, real brothers are better than the regular man. Yeah, that's 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 not normal. <laughs> Like, Vaughn never did that to you? No, no, Vaughn was always, well, all right, quietly contemptuous, but but he was at least quiet about it. It, it just, he, we just didn't fit together, that's all. And then the two of them stare awkwardly at each other. <laughs> yeah, sisters. <laughs> <laughs> 
maybe if the right person had been there. <laughs> So, what do you think? I mean, I think we can all get together on let's stop trying to kill each other. Yeah. Great. This is, this has been my, my dream. This is, well not this backwater farm. (laughs) This has been where I was supposed to be my whole life. And you couldn't exactly come here on your own. My home, my plane, my kingdom, my... It isn't right. But it isn't wrong either. And Caleb will put one hand on his shoulder. Yes. And just kind of sit with him for a bit. Yeah, like like you say, one day at a time. So I should command the harvest swarms, free my people, uh, your people, our people, our people, the McCulkies. Oh, that sounds like a plan. Yeah. And um, and Tristram, I think if you could heal us both, that'd be welcome. Uh, yes, um, I, I can do that. Tristus, um, ah, you mean, um... M- him and me. <laughs> yep. Tristus is pretty undamaged. Yeah. He's not actually completely, but, um, No, we, um, apart from inflicting some falling damage on him, we both deliberately didn't attack him, and the same is very much not true of him and us. <laughs> To be honest, this is probably not something you need to worry that we need to worry about. Um, oh, on screen, that's fine. If we're not going to immediately run into more trouble, then um, Tristram just gives both of us a bit of healing because we're both the fairly ready to drop thing, and we just move on. And Trist gets up and starts to walk inside to the farmhouse, and Tristan will just tap you quietly on the side. And so. For, for the first time since you have seen Tristan, the first time you've seen Tristan in quite some while, he's actually really lost for words here. For Tristan, he is extraordinarily quiet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the bloom. Uh, Tristan has changed his choices, changed his nature. This is all, this, the, the dome, the thorns, everything, it's, it's all going to disappear. Maybe it'll just vanish, maybe it'll rot away, but it's going to go pretty quickly. Um, we talked before about how this is a part of the first world, a part of it's linked into it's linked into the fable, part of Nerissa's realm. It, it'll leave something behind. Whatever the centerpiece of this whole thing was, a symbol of it. I think I have a pretty good idea what he says, and he looks down at the Darkwood Hell. <laughs> We will need that. Oh, right. Because we need that. Right. Like, Triss has just gotten up and completely abandoned it. Uh, well, what say we take it with us, and if he wants it back, we can talk about it. And Caelan will for now just load the Darkwood Helm into his pack. Yep. And 
and then sort of kind of go towards the kitchen to eavesdrop on what um, what's happening with the, ha- the harvest haunts. And Triss effectively walks in um, and just starts barking orders in the, to them in Sylvan. Um, right, this is done. Let them go. Let, let them go. Find the other harvest haunts. Take them all out of here. They effectively ask him where they're going to go in Sylvan, um, whether it's back to the first world or not. And he again just that's I said, let them go and get out of here. <laughs> like he doesn't he doesn't have a he doesn't necessarily have a great solution to this problem, but what he has um unlike because Caelan really hasn't run into a lot of this in his um people around him, his councils and that sort of thing. Uh Triss is somebody who has been told his whole life that he's born to rule. Like, he just barks orders at them and expects them to obey immediately. Yeah, that's um, that's really not... Um, except possibly Drelev. Mm. Um, the, the closest you've got is probably Van, who has been brought up with the duty of a noble, which includes the, the right to rule. Triss, however, hasn't been. He's been brought up with the... Um, uh, you're the chosen one. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very. No one else has been brought up to be the chosen one. And, and Van has actually been educated in the responsibilities and the rights of the noble wants entails. Triss has merely been told over and over again that he's um special. That not that he's special per se, but that he's in charge. Yeah. That he commands. Yeah. So what he has is all of the um all of the belief, none of the experience. Yeah. And very little useful practical knowledge. Yeah. In the specific sense, so um, like it, it would doubtlessly occur to Kaylin, and certainly, but doesn't Tristan would bring this up quietly. Uh, the Harvest Haunts aren't going to be able to go back to the First World on their own. They simply don't have the power to. They're also unlikely to vanish with the Bloom because they're not a part uh, of it. They're, they're something that has been transported over with that energy. So um. Kaelin w- would like to kind of talk to them about where they want to go, but he doesn't want to trample on Triss's authority. Yeah. So, um... Awkward conversation, it shows. Yeah, I think, um... I'll let the Harvest Horts kind of have a bit of a conversation with, um... Triss about where... And if it looks like he's sort of starting to flounder... Oh, there isn't much of a conversation here. Yeah. He tells them to release the farmers. Yeah. Um, and the farmers I- immediately start to look confused as they look at the pile of food. They look at the king. They, they look up and see you three in the room. Yeah. And sort of... Ah, uh, your majesty, uh, please uh, come, and, come and join us. Um... They look a bit startled that the king has shown up. Other than that, they don't look all that worried because from their point of view, their actions make enough sense. Yeah. Like, we all got together for a big party, and you, you can just see them sort of starting to scratch their heads, like, why the, why did we do this? I mean, food and drink and yay, but aren't we supposed to be harvesting? Uh, it's good to see you all. Um, there's been a little bit of a, um, problem out here. Um, I think your land's all still okay, though, and everyone seems to be all right. 
Um, it's also notable that um, Triss is talking to nothing that you can actually see because the harvest horns are actively um, invisible. Uh, uh, yes, because we saw them before. Did Triss have, like, see invisibility up or something? Um, Tristan was telling you what oh, he had seen. See, ah, yes, that's right, because he had see invisibility or something yeah, up. Yeah, he's got um, something to that effect. Yeah, yeah, so, um... Yes, he has see invisibility as a spell that he actually yeah. cast. So, yeah, I'm going to spend some time sort of briefing the McCulkies on, you know, because I, I did recently warn people there were going to be first world attacks. Yeah. Basically, that there's been something of a first world attack on their farm, and that there's kind of a giant thorn wall out there, but it seems to be calming down now, and everyone should be okay. And, and looking in Barris, the lead pharmacist, you I understand, Your Majesty. Uh, does that account for why we're all in here? It seemed like a good idea at the time, but we have work to do, although it's dangerous and we should stay indoors. He, he just looks a little lost. Yeah, it's I, up to you whether you want to explain to him that he's been dispelled or not. It certainly doesn't seem to have done him any harm. Um, I'm going to... Yeah, I will... Yeah, there was something of a spell cast on you. Not particularly harmful one, or at least not if it's left if for particularly long. Um, I think you should just do what, what you think best. I don't think there's any further danger here. And Tris will sort of quietly, Tristan, sorry, will quietly lean into him and say, whatever your opinions of it, uh, there may still be fatalist things, so it would be wisest to not insult them. <laughs> things could, things are okay for the moment, but they could get worse. <laughs> and the McCulkies will sort of, uh, okay, <laughs> and will very much sort of finish up their meal, recognizing they've got stuff to be doing. And start actively, like, packing it away. And, well, yeah. we've got all this food that we've apparently made, so we should probably pack it up and keep it. Yeah. And, um... And there is a small bustle of activity. Yeah. And, um... We'll go over at this point and listen to how the conversation between... Uh, and, and, the, and then I will quietly ask Triss if the Harvest Hawks have moved on or if they're still here. Uh, as soon as Triss has told them to go, they the one in here gets up off the table. Uh, nothing can be seen of its aura being removed, but it can turn it on and off. Yeah. So it um, it presumably dispels its own aura. The farmers come back to themselves, and the harvest horn just starts leaving. Triss is basically told to go out in the fields, find the other five or six, pick them up. Yeah. Skadoodle. Yeah. He's he's not given them any instructions more complex than get out of here. Yeah. Uh, that said, um, Tristan told you previously, which I don't necessarily expect you to remember, there is nothing inherently evil about these creatures. Yeah. Um, they do this sort of thing to farmers, um, if they feel it will benefit them or to harm, or to, if, if they feel it will benefit farmers if they're working too hard, or to deliberately harm them if they're offensive to the harvest horns in some yeah. way. Um, but the, they are not in themselves evil they would very much fit in with the sort of fae that you have. In yeah, so I don't really have a problem with them just kind of wandering off to sort of spread themselves out more generically around the farms around here. I think not all congregating in this one area is a good thing. Yeah. 
Uh, and I mean, they're clearly here because they've been ordered to. Yeah, yeah. So both I'm capable probably... and willing to follow those orders. Yep. Yeah, so I'm pretty happy with that. So Kelm will just kind of discreetly remove himself a bit and let the McCulkies kind of catch up with their world a little bit, yep. as opposed to hanging around deliberately underfoot. But he's not, and let um, everyone sort of catch up with themselves a bit. So at this point, I'm thinking this place is pretty safe. Like the McCulkies have been briefed on what's happening, and from what Tris says the the Thornwall will either disappear or gradually decay over time. Um, in, in fact, given the duration of time that's passed now, by which I mean 10 to 15 minutes as you organise these things, you look up at the sky and you can see it again. There is black bits. There are, there are little black chunks of what look vaguely like ash or heavily burned root that are sort of falling out of the sky. The Wall of Thorns is already dying. Cool. Alright, and um, Caelan will say quietly to Tristram, what do you, I feel like at this point we can pretty much leave this, these, these folks to their own devices. We'll have to be a bit gentle with Triss. But do we want to go find him and see if he's up for getting out of here? Uh, yes. Are you alright before we... Hey... Shrunk slightly awkwardly. It's not my fault, but I feel responsible for this. It's his life. I'm just Kelnarath Timorine. It's your life too. You didn't ask you didn't ask to be dumped into it. But I think over time I mean you know, Van and I are both fawns, but no one expects us to be each other. I don't think there's any reason we can't just have four, four thorn brothers rather than three. And Triss can make his own place that's more down to his style. People already know about you. You're already making your own place and it's more your cup. I know this part will be hard for you and has been hard for you. Bloody hell, don't scare me like that at the end of the bit with the arrows. I can't wash it, shake slightly. But I have to, I, I have to save him. Even if it costs me. I have to save him. Well, I think we might be on the road to doing that. But let's just take it one day at a time for both of you. This is going to be tough for you. But remember that it's not your fault. You're just as much a victim of this as he is. Put an arm around him and then go find Triss. And he's um, presuming that you're like trying to have a quiet move, Tristan. He's deliberately moved out of your way and is kind of just standing outside the farmhouse, leaning against the wall, looking vaguely sulkily out at it all. Yeah. It's done. Harvest Taunts. Harvest Taunts will be clear of this as soon as they can physically walk out of the area. Thank you. Mechelmies should be unharmed. I guess we should pay for the food or or something. I don't know. How does how does that work? I'll talk it over with them. You, we can talk it over with them. The um, kingdom has money for this kind of thing, but I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not sure it's been a big 
expense to them. But it's a good thought. And so this is the very definition of an off-screen conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what comes out, there are a couple of interesting points that come out of it in that Tris is, is surprisingly ignorant of the nitty-gritty of this sort of thing. He's got the broad strokes of what a king does and how you king. Yeah. Um, but he's like he's got, for example, the concept that the kingdom has money. Yeah. Of course it does. And you spend your money building things and looking mm-hmm. after your citizens and maintaining an army and that sort of stuff. So you've got all the broad outline. What he doesn't understand is that that money comes from your taxes that your citizens pay. Yeah. And how the nitty-gritty of that works. Um, and has the conception that food costs money, but just has no idea. Like, he's he's talking to them and, you know, says, well, you, you've eaten at least, you know, a gold piece's worth of food here, and it isn't. It's at least, you know, a month's worth of food they've just eaten. Yeah. Um, because they're feeding, you know, 12 people in this yeah. house. Um, you know, so... Uh, uh, 50 gold might be more appropriate, but not the thousand that he immediately jumps up to with no intervening numbers. Like, uh, yeah. what, what does this cost? A gold piece? No. Uh, a thousand gold? Mm-hmm. Yep, so, um, Caelan will sort of endeavour to, like, help steer the conversation, but not, like, without cutting Triss out of the conversation. Yeah. Because it's sort of, uh, I'm trying to be gentle with his authority a little bit. Yeah. Um, but basically, yeah, we're looking for how much how much the Mokolkis feel like they've lost here and if their kingdom needs to compensate them somewhat. Yeah, they're just not even uh, worried about it. This hasn't been going on anywhere near, near long enough to um, eat their way through all their stocks. And they're also pretty confident that if they start starving, they'll just petition the king and get aid. But that's exactly what would happen if they had, say, a crop blight or any yeah. one of half a dozen other things. No. There's certainly no question of blaming Caelan for this. Sweet. All right. Well, then we'll we'll leave that be and basically let them know that if they um, are, are struggling, that they can let us know. Because it might be in the form of like some tax relief or something like that if they were running through... Supplies. So, yep. We'll be needing horses. We'll need to find out what's happened to the rest of you. Yeah, my, your, our kingdom. Well, Tristram has some tricks in that department, and um, but I don't know if ours are all right, and Kel will look over at their two magic horses. Uh, no, we'll need proper horses. We'll need proper horses. Real ones, and Coffee farmers, uh, if you need them, you know, we can we can certainly uh, sell sell give slash loan them to you. Yeah, it's like the, your reputation is such that they don't just don't really even worry about it. Like they know if they give you three of their good horses, the best horses they've got, and you ride off on them, then some more horses will be delivered to them, or gold for horses, or something to that effect. Your reputation precedes you substantially. Well, probably the simple solution here is I'll just buy three horses, because, yeah. you know, the, I absolutely carry enough money to just do that. Yeah, fair. And then, um, you know, we can just sell them when we get to El- Elk's Rest, and then we don't have to um, recompense. We don't have to provide for, for the recompense. Uh, and. Tristan starts explaining to you and uh, sorry, we've got multiple NPCs talking here who talk in vaguely similar voices. So um, 
I'll drop in and out of character. Uh, Tristan starts explaining to you that uh, he is out of spells to cast any more Phantom Steeds, um, and that um, something seems to be wrong with the ones that you got, in that you saw this very slightly in the combat. They're moving incredibly slowly, yeah. far slower than you would be going on foot. And Tristan sort of waves a hand at this and says, well, yes, of course. I mean, that was the point. That was what the Wriggling Man was here for. Oh, well, uh, we could also leave by by using the amulet, our amulet of the planes, to shift in and out of Triss. Shakes his head again. No, the the area has been dimensionally locked. That was the point. This was. Then he face palms and looks slightly embarrassed. Uh, this this was the point. I was hoping to get the swords. The wriggling man was hoping to kill you. Titania. No, honestly, I'm not entirely sure what Titania wanted from this trap. I think she was hoping that if you, I would guess that she was hoping if you could just be kept out of the way long enough, the problem would resolve itself. Yes, I um, would imagine she doesn't want to kill me any more than I want to kill her. You, you know that we're losing time here, right? Yeah, it came up in the conversation. We we were eavesdropping on you and the wriggling man, but I. I want to get out of this effect, but we're going to have to just... But I figured we needed to take care of the McCulkies and just do the best we can. So, yeah, well, I think, Tristram, if you just dismiss the those horses at this point, and um, let's just buy some McCulkie horses and um, head back the um, slightly slower route. And, yeah, so Trist will start explaining this to you, um, which is basically... Uh, a combination of what he's done, the effect that is in this particular bloom, uh, because the blooms change the environment that they are in, they alter the nature of it. In this case, what you've gotten is a giant wall of thorns, um, and a time dilation effect. You could instead have a mountain growing in here. Yeah. Just don't in this particular one. Um, so, the area's been dimensionally locked. The spell that the, um, Wriggling Man cast before he disappeared um, is some sort of curse on Tristan that has hobbled his horses and prevented him leaving. And basically, Trist explains that to get out of here, you're going to have to leave the the, the hex, effectively the area, um, which will involve getting on your horses and riding. But time is moving substantially faster in the outside world than it is in here, which Trist just treats as being perfectly normal because this is a very fey thing. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, Tristan's not all that worried about it. Um, Galen isn't either. It's not exactly a foreign concept. Um, and then as Trist thinks about it, I suppose there's really nothing we can do about that at this point. We can get out. Of, we can ride out of here as fast as we can. I can ride, and I know you two can. But we may already have lost too much time. There are other people in your kingdom that can handle these sorts of problems. I. He looks like slightly bemused. The concept. I, I was yeah. always told that the, it was the king's duty to, but I suppose thinking about it, the king can't always be available. Nay, the um, king's just one man. If he falls, someone else has to take up his place. And the councillors and the um, 
other and the other are high nobles and so on are responsible for looking after the kingdom as well. I hope they're up to it. I don't know exactly what else is happening, but I know the other blooms are blooming. We'll just have to hope, we'll just have to hope for the best. There's not much more we can do except get out of here as quickly as we can. Marissa's going to turn everything she, uh, Titania's going to turn everything she's got against you. Maybe even the Jabberwocky. He says and goes very slightly wider again. I kind of have a feeling it might be the Jabberwocky. Yeah, I'm hoping not. We can only do what we can do. And Kale bites up my little brother. This, you, this isn't all on you. Yeah, but we have to do what we can do. It's the king's duty to fix these things. It means we need to ride. We need to ride, he says. Yeah. And looks kind of more satisfied that this is a thing that I can do. Yeah. He's somewhat, he's, he's very much somewhat a man of action. Yeah. Let's do the thing. So we buy some, buy some Makoki horses and I think probably at this point gallop dramatically. Yeah. And, and, effect- and possibly the cut, the scene cuts out there. Effectively what Triss is telling you is that, um, the invasion of your kingdom, invasion, via these blooms, yeah. has already begun. Yeah. Moreover, that several of them will have been and gone by the time Kaelin gets anywhere. At this point you're effectively stuck traveling at the speed of plot. Yeah. Uh, your kingdom is about to get a couple of hero points for this, but I'll do that later. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've already given them to you, have I? No. I, I feel like you gave... Um, I've given you, you guys won. one for you guys got cursed. Yes, you gave gave us that. But I think you might have given the king... Yeah, I'm pretty sure you gave the kingdom a hero point because of the... Uh, I think you said you gave the kingdom a hero point because of plot. Yeah, yeah, and this is pretty much why, because yeah. Kaelin is getting actively removed from being in any position to prevent these. You yeah. have no method of travel that will get you back faster than the other blooms going off. Yeah, because I kind of assume it's not just, like, the time it takes to get on the horses and ride out of here, it's also the time we've spent... It's be- since you came in here. Since you yeah. walked through that wall of thorns, everything from every, at the outside, time outside has been going substantially faster. Because the thing is that we, you know, rode all the way into the centre, yeah. snuck around, around and investigated, sat down and listened to the conversation... Had an argument with Tristram, had a fight, had an argument with Triss, had a fight with Triss, and now we've got to ride out of here. I mean, it depends on what the time dilation rate is, but that's a good few you, hours at this point. You've been in here for the better part of the better part of a day, day yeah. Point, because searching the hex effectively takes that sort of time. It's yeah, and, and it'll be by the the, by the time we gallop all the way back out to the edge of the hex, we'll be talking a bit over a day. Correct. Yeah. At which point. Stuff is happening. Yeah, Kaelin wonders what else is happening in his kingdom. Yeah, so, so I, think, I think the um the dramatic montage of Kaelin and Triss and Tristram all galloping on their horses is probably a good point to cut away from that. So depending on what you want to do here, uh, Triss is happy to give you something of an info dump on what he knows about um, Titania, her her allies, the forces arrayed against you, etc., etc., Um some of which will be made redundant by what's happening in the blooms, because that's obviously where she's deploying some of her force. Yeah. Um, but effectively, uh, you can have that now, you can have that later, whatever you prefer. 
he doesn't know specifically what's happening outside of that bloom, this particular bloom, only that several of her more powerful fae have, uh, are using the means at their disposal to bring the first world, to meld the first world into the stolen lands. Um, I think I'd probably rather have that later. Sure. So, at this point, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but we're functionally cutting back away to elsewhere. That seemed like the most dramatic moment to do it, so yes. Okay, so, this is going to involve a bit of me just talking to myself. Mm -hmm. It it is what it is, there's Mm -hmm. no uh, particular way around the setup. So, um, we cut back to earlier. Yep. Um, in the council chambers. Yes. Um, the council are sitting round, pretty much all of them at this point, discussing um, what is going to come next, pushing miniatures round the map, round the tactics map, yeah, etc. etc. Barn because you've got all the armies ready. Barn's got them all out and about. Um, And then there is a rapid knock at the door, and a messenger comes in, um, dressed in what is the old livery of um, the the livery of Fort Drayleaf. Essentially, I imagine you have sort of vaguely standard uniforms and then specific things for the cities they've come from, and that sort of thing. Yes, that sounds appropriate. Um, And goes and dresses Lillian with this. Uh, her, her being the viceroy of, yeah. of Fort Drayleaf and thus effectively his leader yeah. in this room. And Lillian steps away from the table, sort of talks to him for a few minutes and steps back. We have a problem. I've received word that something is happening up near, up, up away east of Fort Drayleaf, sorry, up a little way west of Fort Drayleaf in the direction of Dagobah's borders. Something has, something has hit several of the farms there. It is a large troll-like, supposed to be a large troll-like creature. It has taken several of the daughters, the older daughters from these farms. She shudders slightly and looks angry. To be its bride. I would say that this is likely the sort of thing that we are looking for. There's various nods around the table. Um, the old brother says, yes. A troll, anything unusual about it? And looks to the messenger, and the messenger says, I, for I spoke to the farmers myself. It has been described as something uh, knobbly, almost as much, half, half as much a tree as a troll, very misbegotten. Something out of the first world, then. Something of Titania's blooms have to stop it. Of course we'll have to stop it, says Bitmother. We'll have to get these girls back as soon as possible. I can get there faster than anyone by moving directly to these farmlands. I do not think it would be wise to do it alone in case there is more danger than I'm aware of. I need someone reliable with me. She looks to Varn and reaches towards him, and Varn reaches up and takes her hand. Of course, my love. And Lillian says, wait, you're planning on teleporting there? Yes. 
Then take me with you. Drop me off at Fort Draylev. I think there's going to be work to do there. Somebody will need to direct the city, particularly if we are expecting more of this sort of nonsense. Tell Kalen when he returns that I couldn't wait for him to get off his backside and get this done anymore. That some of us have business to be going on with. And Vaughn looks a little uneasy at this. Perhaps we should remain here for Kalen to return. And there are various nods around the table of this and various head shakes. And Prince is no. Kalen will come back when he is done. Swiftly if he can, slowly if not, or not at all if he is lost. Either way, we must go on. The pack does not turn on the Alpha. The Alpha is merely the strongest of the pack. Go, find this misbegotten troll. Bring our woman back. Sort this out. Do what you need to do for the kingdom. And Svetlana will turn to Van. Well, we will go with every haste we can, but turn as quickly as possible. And she takes Vaughn's hand, takes Lillian's hand, and they vanish into the ether as she teleports them out of here. Yep. Um, actually, to be honest, I imagine she probably takes them out of here and then teleports away because you've locked the, you've probably locked your um, council yeah. chambers. Quite a bit of the castle is dimensionally locked. Yeah. Um, so she probably needs to walk out to one of the exterior courtyards or something like that. She'd probably have a pretty good idea where these boundaries are. But effectively, she will piss off. Um, and we actually won't be following that one because we have already followed Vaughn and Svetlana on one adventure. Ah, yes. Um, they will be up to something, which they will come back and tell you about eventually. Um... The important part is that people continue to sort of discuss and food yeah. is brought in, people are eating and that sort of thing. It is clear from the camera that at least several hours have passed and Svetlana has not returned. Yeah. Um, and she did not come back swiftly. Any number of things could have happened. A trap, their loss, a more difficult more difficult to find troll than we are expecting. And there's mutter, mutter, mutter around the council. Enough! There is nothing we can do about this but face each problem as it comes. And... <sighs> Speaking of... <laughs> and Michaela will sort of lean quietly across the table, very much sitting at her right hand, where she usually is next to Kayla. It's like this all the time. <laughs> And this time there is of hooves coming in uh, as you get Mark Arthur, the scout, the central scout again. Um, and he comes in and sort of looks around. I have a message to deliver it to the, to the king. The king is not here. Deliver your message to me. Okay, looks at him. Easy. Take a breath. Take a drink. I can see something's clearly wrong. She offers him wine. MacArthur just sort of sculls with great rapidity and puts the glass down, and his hand is shaking as he does so. What? Now, tell us what has happened as best you can. It's gone. It's gone. 
What's gone? Littleton! What do you mean it's gone? I... I mean it's gone. I mean... The whole damn thing. The town. The buildings. The people. Every bit of it is just a hole in the ground. Like the whole thing was picked up and taken away. Like the glass. But this time... There were people in there and there is nothing left at all. And Michaela just remains mostly calm, takes a breath at the slight. Uh, looks to Tristan's empty chair. Explanate. Very well. I would guess that Littleton has made its own choice. Or perhaps Volta has, on behalf of his people, whether wittingly or unwittingly, I cannot say, when last Caelan and I spoke to him, she winces slightly, he said that his strongest wish was for a world in which he did not have to fight anymore. Since Littleton is not a formal part of Stagthorn, probably does not fall under its rule Titania they do as its rule that pleases does that make sense and there are again nods and shrugs at this and this sort of thing around the table alright Littleton is gone let's presume that we can rescue it later I could go look for signs there's probably very little I can do I don't know, that's not our only concern. I have moved like the wind ahead of an army of wyverns. Wyverns? Erevani's wyverns have been wiped out. There are more. Another hundred, I would wager. An entire army of them. Where did they come from? I encountered them some little ways out of Littleton. And there's, at this point I'll drop out slightly, there's a lot of debate around the council as to where the fu- how the fuck you missed an army of wyverns. And the general takeaway has been that, that you didn't, because if everybody had had an army of wyverns to throw at you, boy, would he have thrown them at some Yeah, point. yeah, yeah. I mean, he was, he was throwing everything but the kitchen sink at me at that last onslaught. And they're a pretty weak read to rest a backup plan on? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, at this point, to be honest, I may just cut through this because it is such a foregone conclusion it's not funny. Um, an army of wyverns attacks Elk's Rest. Yeah. Who more or less annihilate them because yeah. um, the wyverns are not a massively strong army to start with. Um, and my armies are active and um, available at this point. Correct. And Elksris has pretty good defences. Correct. However, while you are literally while you are having this battle, word comes in from another messenger that another army of wyverns has been spotted, um, heading up in this direction. And 
Now there is much debate and discussion amongst the council because now you have hundreds of wyverns appearing out of apparently nowhere yeah. with no ready explanation for them. Uh, these ones have been cited, however, because it's hard to miss these sort of movements of armies. Uh, and at this point, I need to look at your um, map of Pytaxia is where they're coming from. Uh, where, are your, where do your plane hexes begin, if anywhere? I don't have claimed Pytaxian hexes. Yeah. This is um, the move on area. Correct. I haven't started claiming Pytaxia because it's um, only just started, it's only just become a part of my kingdom. With you? Cool. So in that case, it is an information gathering check. Can you give me uh, stability, which is your spying check, essentially? Yep. And I will pass you back your kingdom sheet. You've already passed me back my kingdom sheet. That's not going to cut it. It's a stability check, correct? It is a stability check. Yeah, I've um, got relatively poor stability at this point. I get a 142. Okay. So, um, several things become obvious as Elk's Rest combats the Wyverns. Um, for one thing, they look just different. Um, they attack a little bit more blindly, uh, and they all have milky white eyes. Um, they look vaguely like mutant wyverns of some kind, which again uh, pretty much matches with this is the first world energy's doing something or other. The big problem is then the next hundred start coming up. Yeah. Uh, they are unquestioningly coming out of Pytax because you get word of them when they pop, you get word of them automatically when they pop onto your map sort of here-ish. Yeah. I'm just, um, I'm trying to remember if I've actually misled you there and if I have started the Pytax map. You, you didn't claim any of them while you were at war with the Rebecca, and you no. had a turn. Yeah, yeah, so no, I haven't started claiming them. Yeah, that's alright. So yes, so we sense, we know that these white, mutant wyverns are coming from somewhere in Pytax, yeah, and that there seem to be a heck of a lot of them. Yep. But we may not know more than that. Okay. So, um... The old Belle Dame will start running around trying to get whatever she can from all her spies and that sort of thing. Um, and it's frantically actually sending with me- with magic at this point messages to Mavoy to see what, if anything, they know. Yeah. Um, which the answer is no wyverns have come from anywhere that they're patrolling. Mm. Um, so what you get from your stability check is that they're coming from somewhere unexplored. In here. Yep. Rows four to six. Yep. And that is the best information that you can get. Yep. There are armies of wyverns coming out of there. Yep. Um, one of them is no particular problem for Elk's Rest. You more or less take it to pieces with some light damage. But, of course, if they keep coming, yep. you've got a big problem. Um, sorry, this is a bit... Choppy and all over the show because it's just me doing all the NPCs and things. You're doing fine, sweetie. I can um, always play someone if it would make it easier for you. Uh, Kingdom Sheet back again. To some extent, but it's moving in certain directions anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, 
your kingdom at this point gets another hero point. Cool. Um, because the only person here that can teleport has just left the cloth. Yeah. So um, that would be the t- the top of my kingdom sheet has three hero points written down. If you could just change that to four. Um. So these are not the kind of problems you can just pop off and investigate rapidly. Yeah. Um. Vaughn looks at the empty chair. Yeah. Your general is, is missing yeah. in action. We have the armies. If they attack the cities, we can defend themselves. The army commanders know what they're doing. What I want to know is where they're coming from. We need to cut this off at the head. And that means somebody who can find them wherever they're breeding from. That means me. Your Majesty, in the absence of the king, the line of succession dictates that your place is here. Not when my kingdom is in danger. Says Brennan, more or less, just completely overrides overrides him. Um, Surely there are others. Uh, Akora, you have been very quiet. Uh, Do you have any... Wilderness trackers who could... And Akora, who has just been sort of staring off into space, blinks several times and sort of vaguely brings you something. I'm sorry? The wyverns. Wyverns? I was... Uh, she gets up in for a doubt again. I was dreaming, I think. No, I... I... I cannot assist you here. In fact, I think I can assist this council no further. I need to dream. To prepare for the dreaming. I cannot make it any more sense of it than that. But Mother Moon speaks in the dreams. The dreams that have been and the dreams that will come. I must prepare for them. And she gets up from the council looking hazy and out of it. Um, Michaela sort of looks at her, doesn't see any signs she's been externally influenced by anything that she can't explain. She's not being dominated, she's receiving ascending yeah, from, I mean, from Desner, essentially. Yeah, yeah, I mean, um, if she's being mentally influenced, that's one thing, but if she's receiving a message from her actual deity, that's not actually something we want to block off. And Bryn then proceeds, you know, I will go and deal with these wyverns. Not alone. What if it is this Minos of Shard, the Eater of Kings? Can I do it on you? cannot do it all on your own. If Kaelin were here, he would go with you. Kaelin is not here. If he were here, I would go with him. And so I would go with you. The two of them sort of glare at each other, because these two have never had all that good a working relationship. Yeah. Um, you will slow me down. I will stand between you and a great bash of claws. Do not move half as fast as you think you do anymore. And Michaela will reach across the table and actually slap her. <laughs> and Brun reacts to this really slowly, uh, because her curse is she's lost a bunch of AC. Ah, yes. Um, she no longer has the um, the wolf's toughness mm. that Titania blessed her with, where a constitution is getting added to AC. Mm. She's lost the bonus, and then further she's taking penalties on it. Um... 
And so Michaela actively sort of just reaches across the table and slaps her with a, a mid-sized tap. Yeah. Um, and Bryn glares at her. Fine. But, um, isn't that kind of hot-headed? Says Samantha of all people. Mm-hmm. Uh, what if other threats come? Then we will have to deal with them as best we can. If these blooms keep coming and we do not stop them, then our kingdom will be destroyed. We can face an army of wyverns. If they are coming so, if they are breeding so quickly, when ten show up on Ultra's borders, they will run us over. If we can face ten, even if we can face ten, we cannot face a hundred. And there are some nods around the table at this. Eventually the king will, the king will return as quickly as he can. The general and the, the general and the grand diplomat will return when they can. Till then, do what is best for Stagthorn. Keep the kingdom as safe as you can. We must prepare to travel. And Bryn McKayla get up for the table as well. Yep. And that one we will be following. Yep. Uh, so you can actually at this point have um, all the setup dumps, because they're all going to happen at more or less the same time. Um, or you can have them one at a time as you play them, essentially. I wonder if, given the, it's up to you, Sweet, if you're feeling overtaxed with setup dumps, we can stop there. But I wonder about just setting the rest of the scene. Yeah. Um, and then we can play through each of them. Okay, so Bryn and Michaela effectively go off, get on regulation. Michaela gets on her regulation brand horse, Bryn yeah. just runs, and they head south for Pytax as fast as they can go, which yeah. is at normal humanoid speed. Yeah. Um, so their thing is not going to be a time dilation effect because it's just going to be how long it takes them to go down, track down a um, huge wyvern problem, defeat a huge wyvern problem, and come back. Correct. So Kaelin is lost in time and space at this point. Yeah. Um, Svetlana has gone off to fight the Misbegotten Troll, and for whatever reason, has I, to I can back. actually tell you because it is not a particularly great secret. Yeah, that would um, be fine. Uh. We, in fact, well, what you see then is there is a cutaway um, to Vaan looking sort of bloody and battered, green blood all over his sword, Svetlana looking, her hair is must. Um, she's she's a woman in a movie, so she's got very slightly must makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are sort of five or six young women around them, age anywhere between 15 to 25, um, looking concerned. And they are, Farn is hacking his way through thick, massive, overgrown jungle with his sword while Svetlana flies along behind the girls looking around them. I am not entirely certain, but I would say when we entered the Misbegotten Thrall's home, we crossed over into the First World. At least, we thoroughly bloodied his nose, and we got the girls away from him. Well, this is fine. Whack! 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 So this is the first world. How do we get back again? Kalen took himself to a place he knew, found a point to cross over. I believe we can do the same. It won't be quick. Can you move us? She looks back at the girls. Not all of us. 
So be it. We can't leave them. Sagthorn will simply have to do what it can. Nice. So they are lost in the first world. Yep. Makes good sense. Uh, and to some extent are also facing time dilation there, although it not as deliberate trap. Yeah, but that but was... Their main, their main problem is they're lost. But the other one is I was gone for a month and I didn't spend a month in the first world. Yeah. You know, I spent like a week sorting myself out and then when I got back a month had passed, it's not... Not to the same extent as Kaelin spent a day and several weeks is apparently going and weeks are passing in the outside world, but it's definitely a time dilation thing. But yes, that makes good sense. If they've got more g- girls than past her teleport threshold, she can't teleport to wherever they want to go. And she probably couldn't anyway. I mean, it's not like she's familiar with what that place looks like in the first world. Yes, indeed. She, and, and the first world doesn't correspond to logic and time and space there. Uh, yeah. this, this hasn't come up to you run to it. But teleporting does work there, but it doesn't work amazingly well. Yeah. The major problem is she can't take all the girls with her, and she's not remotely confident of her capacity to get back to the exact same place, and here it really, really matters. Yeah, yeah. Because if she takes half of them, then Van has half, she has half, and then she tries to get back to Van, and maybe she manages it, but then she has to get back to the other girls she's abandoned, and hopefully she manages that. Yeah, yeah, no, they need to stay with them. Yeah. No, the paladin thing absolutely compels her that she cannot abandon innocents who are in need just because there might be other innocents in need somewhere. Yeah, well, the, um, you know, they've got to deal with the problem that's in front of them. Okay, so they have gone west into yep. Fort Drelev, um to, to deal with this problem. Yep. Um, Bryn and Michaela are heading south into, into Pytaxia. Uh, Kaelin has gone east into Barnhold. Yep. Um, what's the next one on my list? Um, it's not these are on a row, it's just getting bloody hilarious. Okay, so at this point, sorry, it's just me talking endlessly. Sweetie? Yeah. The, the people sitting around the council chamber are Christopher Rossi. Yep. Uh, good God. Then we jump straight down to Chief Soot Scales. Yep. Huxley. Yep. The old Beldame. Yeah. Leon and Zamath. Yeah. That's not terrifying at all. I'm going to be vague on this, but yeah, yeah. people's clothes have changed. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're seeing multiple council sessions. They're not just living in the council chamber now. Well, they kind of are, yeah. but they're at least getting up and doing other things and going to bed and that sort of thing. But yeah. They're very much hanging around it because this constant string of reports are coming in and everybody yeah. is on high alert. One. Uh, I want your map of the green belt where Elks Rest and things are. Sure. If you just pass me down the kingdom sheet again, I will dig it out.
Here we are. This is the one that has all the kingdom features on it. Yep. People are looking, everybody is looking stressed here. Count all this back again, please. Um, unsurprising. Yeah, yeah, I have to admit, um, I, I didn't really plan the council on the assumption that all of those guys would be gone and they'd still be going. Um, Chief Sootscale seems to have, um, by default, assumed command of this group. Being yeah. The, the most leader-oriented one. Yeah. Um, and indeed, it is a kobold who runs in. Are you sure? Alright. Reports are coming in that winter has come very early to Thornwatch. That there is an unseasonable, devastating cold roll, beginning to roll in from east of it. From the city's borders, people can see a monument of some kind, a tower of what looks like ice, and that there are reports of creatures made of frost walking around. Another bloom, I can only assume. It's nothing natural. I've never seen anything like it before. All right. We need to send someone to break that tower of ice. And Samantha takes a breath. That, that's my job. I'm supposed to, I'm warden of this kingdom, I'm supposed to defend it against threats when they roam the land. If there are ice creatures out there, then I should take care of them. <laughs> Guts for a centaur. Not on your own, I think, though. I'll come with you. Huxley at this point, sir. I mean no disrespect, but the two of you would not be strong enough to face something that would face down Caelan. So Scale just sort of shrugs and nods at this, like, yeah, he doesn't love it, but mm. them's the facts. Um, you will need more assistance, and perhaps a quiet hand. And I would suggest with our rapidly diminishing membership, it is time to look outside this council. A moment, and he will get up, and little cut. He comes back again with first behind him. Um, <clears throat> would Kaelin want him away from the children? If danger comes to Elk's Rest, they are as safe in Castle Stagthorn as they can possibly be anywhere. Hmm, said Scale. Grants and sort of acknowledges the point. And I think we'll need all the help we can get. There. Alright. Let's get the thought watch. Rossi, keep a lid on this. <laughs> <laughs> and Huxley, Zamanth, first, and um, uh, Chief Sootscales all go off to face the frozen monument. It's such a great party. And who does that leave sitting in the council chamber? Christopher Rossi. Yep. Leon. Yep. Um, 
the end the old bill then. Who won't be going out. Who has said that she she won't um Honestly, given how I'd kind of thank her for that at this point, given how depleted the I'd still kind of like someone in my council to theoretically be running the country. And on the other hand, I'm kind of hoping that's the last one because um uh, the um Leon and um Leon and Rossi really shouldn't be doing on the military party. <laughs> Rossi rubs his uh, his um rubs his face and looks t- very tired at this point. <laughs> well then, Miss Beldame, keep any spy reports you have. You know, keep on top of your spies. We're going to need every piece of information we have to fight this. And he starts scratching at his ears and picking at his face and just making a string of little gestures. And Leon starts doing the same. And the old Beldame, who now has nothing to distract her, sort of looks at the two of them as they apparently have an entirely private conversation between the pair of them. Mm-hmm. And not, not only Kaylin but the player themselves have no idea what this is about, but it is on screen nonetheless. Um, which... Um, I could tell you because it's only a minor thing, but I could also um, you could just put it in your unexplained mysteries box and ask me later at the end of the campaign. Okay. Um, and um, Pearl Lavish comes flying in. I, spine master to be Pearl Lavish, have a report to make. These were all ears. <laughs> There appears to be no more signs from the countryside of any other outstanding strange activity. Excellent. Then we must trust to those in the field to keep this under control. All we have to worry about now are the armies. The wyverns, yes. There are periodic nuisance. Ah! I was referring more to the unlikely horde of creatures that is appearing from a vast portal just outside the walls of Elk's Rest. And what are these creatures, Perlapish? Ah, they would be a strange horde of fame. Right. Leon, to the walls. <laughs> <laughs> An army has come to Elk's Rest. Um, and at this point, Lillian's voice appears in Thinia. To the council chamber. If your arm, if your army is in act, if your armies are not active, if your armies are not still active, make them so rapidly. We have engaged old Hooktown. <laughs> <laughs> and then we cut to the individual faces. So, uh, Michaela and Bryn have gone off to find the mother of Wyverns. Yep. Um, Sootscale, Huxley, Zamanthan first have gone off to deal with the frozen monument. Yep. Uh, Elk's Rest is under attack on an army combat level by a horde of oh, miscellaneous fake creatures. Literally, yeah. it is it, it is just a horde of shit. Yeah. Uh, Fort Drelev is under attack by oh, Old Hooktown, which is also an army level combat. Yeah. Uh, and I believe... Uh, and then the last one, because yeah. there's still one more. Yeah. Um, we cut to Lakeview. Um... 
where we see a boat coming up the river, and Lord Elder's Thorn standing proudly upon its prow, looking out. Uh, he must be said. It must be said he's looking a bit more piratical than he previously did. He's got like the uh, the boots on, the pirate boots on, and that sort of thing. He's standing on the prow, smiling. And Cressel comes up behind him. Um, It'll be good to be home. See my sons again. And see my sons and my grandsons again. Yeah, says Cressel. Good to be back in old Lakeview. All we have to do is make it up the river, past the giant. I don't know what the hell Kalen's doing, but there didn't used to be a giant whirlpool here, and the water didn't used to be black. (laughs) (laughs) And they are heading into some sort of giant whirlpool that is forming itself outside of Lakeview. (laughs) They have not actually deliberately gone off to solve this bloom. They have merely stumbled into it, because that's the most convenient route up. Yeah. That's hilarious. And so that is the last one that is happening, is Elders and Crystal versus the Mysterious Whirlpool. Okay. And there's just no indication of when the Jabberwocky uh, shoot is going to draw. No. Great. Because huh? <laughs> I know there's a Jabberwocky coming, because I saw it in my Oberon vision. But the kingdom's under attack from many, many, many fronts, and there's no sign of a Jabberwocky. Yeah, what what Perlavish reports to you is that there is no... Um, bizarre, unusual environmental activity. And as these reports get more collated, you will um, see this kind of thing fairly clearly. Um, Where the misbegotten troll has appeared, um, there is a strange hut that wasn't there before, outside uh, a couple of hexes outside of Fort Drayle, this one is, um, that has a huge pile of weird first world plants growing around outside of it. And it's basically like a classic woodman's hut, but gigantic. Um, and thus people have found it, viewed it, gone, what the hell is that, and gone to report on it. There is some sort of giant statue monument thing made of ice poking out that is a, an obvious environmental effect next to Thorn, near Thornwatch. Uh, the mother of all quaverds is very possibly producing an obvious environmental effect, but you don't know where it is, so you haven't yet seen it. There is the obvious whirlpool. Um, all of these things are projecting, they are actually changing the nature of the hex they are in. They are projecting yeah. something like that. It must be said that the First World Army is not. It is just a big horde of people coming through. Yeah. Which is presumably in addition to doing these blooms to Tan, it could just say opening portal to, the, to um, Galarian and send a giant horde of, art, of critters through. Correct. Although um, she will have limitations on the amount of things that she actually has available. Yeah. Like, um, she, she doesn't have a war budget, per se, but she only has yeah, um, yeah. so many armies. And in this case, what she's gotten is it is just a bizarre hodgepodge of everything in Sundry. There's weird fey trolls, fairy dragons, yeah. rigs, um, red caps, whatever the hell she's got to throw in there. Yeah. Um, and Old Hooktongue has awakened, presumably from Titania's yeah. meddling, although... The impression is less that the impression that you've gotten from the setup for this is less that Titania controls Old Hook Tongue directly and more she's just kind of woken the kaiju monster up. Yeah. Which would be fairly easy. Yeah, yeah, and that fits in with the kinds of stuff that she was doing right at the beginning with um Hagrolka and stuff, like Correct. the Owlbear and that kind of thing. Correct. And then Lakeview has turned into a whirlpool. Yeah. Because there is a bloom in there as well. Yeah. Okay. 
So that's so, the stuff that's happening. That's what's happening in your kingdom. Well, Kaylin, and Kaylin, meanwhile, is like riding along and looking at farm implements. Yeah. So I, I told you we were going to cut to a bunch of different counselors in this nice. adventure, and this, this is, is it. it. Yep, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I think you can see from my foreshadowing that the, the Jabberwocky is not just going to never appear in the adventure. No. But it also doesn't appear to be anything that's happening here. Well, that's cool because, you know, maybe we can get a few more counsellors together before the, um, back before the trip. I have to say, I feel a bit bad about the scenario where Christopher Rossi is effectively stuck ruling my kingdom because everyone else is fucked off. <laughs> uh, and, and Akora Silverfire has retired to dream. Yeah. Which is uh, something else again. Yeah. So by the pure machinations of plot magic, basically, these will all... Um, they, they're not literally all going to resolve at the same time, but you've moved past the point where they're able to affect each other. You can't uh, finish off the Mother of Wyverns and then run back to help at the Frozen Monument. Yeah, but it makes um, it makes perfect sense. I mean, um, by the time Brynn and Michaela actually find the Mother of Wyverns, beat her up, and ride slash walk back... Yeah. The young others will presumably have survived and, you know, beaten the the um, frozen town. All right. So, which one of these should we start with? We've got five of them, so we're presumably only going to start one of them tonight. Uh, so that is um, uh, up for up for debate because they are all happening. In somewhat independent with each other. It doesn't really matter what order you tackle them in. It's, yeah. That's very much up to you as a player. Now, um, I would like to know what you want to do next as the GM, so I can prep it suitably. Um, I don't have Elders and Cress already. I don't have Slitscale and Huxley and Zamanathan first ready. I have Michaela and Brun ready because they're just the standard PC sheets. Yeah. Um, and I've got the, um, I've got that encounter prepared. I haven't got the Frozen Monument and Lakeview prepared. The other the other ones that are army combat I have prepared. Cool. Um, and we could also just leave it be for the night. I've, I've done a lot of yakking, but it depends what you want to do. I don't particularly want to um, do half the Mother of Wyverns, or what would probably be a quarter of the Mother of Wyverns tonight, although we could do the setup of actually finding it. Yeah. So, as in, you don't particularly want to start a big battle against her? Correct. Cool. Um, so, let's start by decreeing an order. So, you, is that helpful if I pick an order of these things? Yeah, that yeah, gives you Vaguely, but don't feel you have to dip through. All right. Well, let's say Brit and Michaela first. Yep. And I propose alternate the army combats and the PC battles. Yep. So, let's have um, the Fey army fight in Elk's Rest second. Yep. Um, Huxley and Co. third. Yep. The um, uh, old hook tongue fourth, and um, Els and Crystal is the dramatic conclusion. Sure, works works for me. I'm happy to have it in whatever order um pleases you. That seemed like a good. That way, I'm not sort of doing army combat after army combat. Yeah, breaking up the army combat I mean, with some PC battles. They should be comparatively simple because um. They're very straightforward army combats. Yeah. They're just one big fucking army. Yeah, yeah. And old, in old hooks, in this case, old hook time effectively is just a big, a big ass army. Yeah. Cause I think I'm probably like, each city is just going to have what it has because we have no way of, we don't necessarily have time to get another army there. And we also have no way of knowing something else wouldn't attack them. Hmm. I'm, I'm actually perfectly happy for you to move the, um, 
armies into a rounded army combat as you need to. Yeah. Um, albeit, um, what I think we will have is, um, Because the thing is, I don't know that something isn't going to attack, um, you know, Varnhold or whatever. No, but would you leave the armies where they are, um, if things turn south? Like, presumably if Old Hiptong destroys the army at Fort Draylou, you're not just going to abandon the city? No, no, I would then be pretty much forced to send an army in. So I could send another army in from a neighbouring territory and just risk that territory being left unguarded. Anyway, we can we can work yeah, through Yeah, why don't that. we sort those in, in order as we do them? Yeah, sounds good. Alright, so um let's say that um so let, I like the it, it depends on what you feel up to. If you feel up to it I would like to start bringing Michaela. Sure. I'm happy to leave it at the point that we find the mother of wyverns and have that dramatic conclusion. Sure. So, at this point, the character select screen comes up, yeah. and for some reason, everyone is greyed out, yeah. except Bryn and except Bryn and Michaela. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you are picking one to play, of your choosing, because these are both two characters that are very um, easy for you. I'm not as good at doing the voice, but I would like to do Bryn. Sure. So I don't know how you want to um, keep her her curse, but because um, I, I haven't written it on her character sheet per se. Right. Okay. Because um, they're easy enough to do that. I'm just sort of doing them in my head as I go. Well, I can just make some notes on a piece of paper. Cool. Let me just um, here. Um, you've got the kingdom sheet there, don't you? Have you given it back to me? I just want no, to... I have all your people here. Cool. I just want to um, put this back in here before and, I... Um, and your council is, is almost entirely emptied out. Yep. I quite like the idea of Christopher Rossi, Leon and the old Beldame are just running the kingdom all by themselves. I mean, not that you'd ever have hit this point, but this is also the point where it all goes to shit if you're doing the Triss method of I'm the brave king, I'll do everything myself. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Alright, so yes, can you give me Bryn and I'll just make some notes about her um, curse on a bit of paper and put it on the front of her character sheet. Yep. So what Bryn gained from Titania was Wolf's Cunning, which is her constitution modifier to AC, well, she's unarmored and unencumbered, which is... um an issue for her, yeah, uh, and sent as if she were a wolf. Yeah. Um, so this probably won't be massively relevant to you because it's not the kind of thing you're used to processing as a player anyway, but she has no sense of smell whatsoever. Yeah, I don't see that as being a penalty I need to note down. Uh, I affected and she doesn't have scent. Not only can she not use scent, she can't smell, period. So yep. if there are any sort of smell-based checks, she fails them automatically. Yeah. Uh, secondly, she does not have her constitution modifier to AC, so her AC automatically drops by three points. Yeah, so I see that. So... She she drops to a 23 because she doesn't have that bonus. Correct. Does she also suffer a penalty? Yes, I'm just finding out what it is. Oh, right. Yeah, there it is. Uh, then she is at another minus two to her AC, generally. Okay. So that puts her at an AC of 21. Correct. Um, and it also means her touch and her flat-footed both um, drop as well. Yep. If, as and when that becomes relevant. Yeah, yeah, I'll just work that out separately. That's it, however. It yep. is her AC and her um, scent 
Yep. I'm just looking at her list of special abilities. Yes, it's it's um extraordinarily long, but most of them don't matter anyway. Um, is Diamond Body mean she's got um the R? No, that's immune. She's immune to all poisons. She's immune to all diseases. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's not uh, the poisons thing is going to be awesome because vitamins. Yeah, yep, that is going to be useful. The diseases and thing is almost never useful, but it exists. Yeah, and I see that she's got um, her unarmed strike is masterwork, Fabian, and key. Yep. Yep, and I see how the flurry and the dimension door works and stuff. She's got dark vision and a cloak of etherealness. Yes. Cool. She can become ethereal if she's going to use this. Cool. Alright, I think I've got I've got Bryn. Okay. And I have Michaela. So then just you and me out travelling together camping in the wilderness. Mm. I've been out with your husband several times like this, of course. So have I. Um, I kind of see Bryn doesn't fill awkward silences. Yeah. Bryn lets awkward silences just sit there and be awkward. Yeah. She's not necessarily trying to be deliberately unfriendly. She's just not that much of a people person. Yeah, and and Michaela just just can't handle Bryn because Bryn doesn't react to being uh, subtly goaded. She can't play, can't and doesn't play games of words. Yeah. Um, when she wants something, she just like straightforwardly tells you. Yeah. Yeah, Bryn expects Michaela to understand that, you know, while, um, while she's not wild about this, they're a pack and therefore, you know, Bryn will tolerate it and Michaela can tell Bryn's tolerating it because Bryn is still here. Yeah. You know, like, Bryn doesn't feel the need to actually tell her any of that. It might make Michaela feel better, but that's not, just not how she rolls. Yeah, and, and Michaela's got problems with, um, like, Michaela would abs- if if Michaela was married to you, she would absolutely let you go off into the wilderness adventure with Bryn. But it is the sort of thing that she would have that sort of low level background worry of my husband is hanging out with some other girl thing yeah. continuously. Like it, it wouldn't destroy the marriage and it wouldn't wreck her life or anything. Yeah. But Michaela being paranoid is the kind of thing that she would always worry about. And in contrast, it's the sort of thing that Bryn is never worried about. Yeah. So Michaela basically brings this up, you know, several times. Yeah. Trying to, you know, reassure her that nothing is happening there, and then failing to get the reactions he's looking for, just outright goading her, <laughs> and still not really getting a reaction. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's any conversation you've ever desperately wanted to have between the two of them, but um, I'm perfect- if you so desire. I- I'm perfectly happy to play what, uh, but I'm kind of thinking that might happen when they're actually dealing with yeah. stuff. I think on the road it's just quiet yeah, and awkward. awkward silences. Yeah, like, I mean, Bryn does talk to Michaela, but it tends to be fairly business-like, you know, you put up the tent and I will hunt, yeah. because you can't hunt, <laughs> style, and then you can cook it. Oh, angry road trip buddies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These two just... <laughs> it's just oil and water. It really wasn't my intention when I put both the characters in there, but as they've turned out, it's just such oil and water. Well, I think also the thing is, these rough edges would have rubbed off. Like, they get on with each other all right in large groups of people, and, yeah. you know, they're kind of friends in a way, but, like, these rough edges would have rubbed off over time if they were constantly in a four-man party with Kaelin. Yeah. 
because you just don't have this kind of relationship when you're out with these people, you know, month in and month out. Mm-hmm. But as they're both solo NPCs, it's just never come up. Yeah, well, the thing is, um, Brim gets on pretty well with Svetlana, remarkably yeah. so considering the, the background. Yeah. And Michaela gets on really well with Svetlana. Everyone kind of likes Svetlana. And they both get on with Tristan and, yeah. and all this sort of thing. It's just these two together. Yeah. Well, now that we've removed Corwin from the equation, because Corwin... Yeah, uh, yeah he, had, he had a, a dodgy one with Tristan. Although, in all fairness, that was kind of... Tra- Corwin was very insulting to Tristram, and Tristram understood that was just his way. So, but yeah, um, Bryn and Michaela, I think, have a lot of a great deal of mutual respect for each other. Yeah. They just don't particularly like each other as people. Yeah. And, and thus, it's sort of that friends of friends thing. Like, yeah. when we're hanging out with the third person, it's fine. Yeah. When we're together, it's just so... You, you like... Stuff. Yes. Yeah, because they they also have really no mutual interests. Yes. I I bought wine, if you'd like it. I actually think Bryn's probably not 100% opposed to wine. Yeah. She just kind of drinks some of it. She just kind of tosses it back in a, this is liquid, it tastes fairly nice. And Michaela puts the bottle beside the fire, turns back round to one of her haversacks, Comes out with a couple of goblets, turns back around, Bryn's just sculling the ball out of the wine, and Michaela just sort of winces and... Mm. It's fine, I'll just... Yeah, yep, Bryn puts the bottle down, and Michaela sort of picks it up, <laughs> wipes the mouth of it, carefully pours it into her goblet, looks at Bryn's goblet, just hands her the bottle back. <laughs> okay, and you as the player are driving what yeah. you want to do here. The other one is I figured um, Bryn's definitely the one that would take the lead in the wilderness yeah, exploration even if there wasn't tracking. And Michaela is quite comfortable with that. So um, we're looking in the four to six area. Correct. So, And that's all the information the GM is giving you as a player. So you to make your own choices. At that point, Bryn's going to come down into the Abbey at White Rose Hill. Yeah. Um, in um, the vicinity of the Abbey in White Rose Hill in D4. And um, endeavor, effectively endeavour to pick up the trail. Yep. Um, so she's going to be, like, searching, tracking, trying... I mean, there's... There's hordes of, multiple hordes of wyverns coming through here. I mean, I know wyverns don't leave a trail so much because they fly, Correct. but they, but they do hunt other animals and stop and sleep in places and perch and roost and things like that. Yep. So there's got to be some kind of trail, I can Yes, think indeed. Of. Give me a survival check. Which she has two numbers on there. The higher one is her tracking, which is what you're using here. Ah, yes, I see. She's got a um, good flippy that lets her track better. Mm. Alright, um, that's a 30. She yep. rolled poorly. That's actually pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Why that? Flying. Well, Difficult yes. track. I had rather considered that. I was hoping you could find something. Okay. So at that, you can tell several things. Um, one thing in the area around, immediately around White Rose Abbey. 
Um, there is no sign of a trail, of, of any sign of passage or landing or anything of the sort of Wyverns until you get to about two kilometers outside of White Rose Abbey, as if they have come and deliberately circled around it for no really apparent reason. Uh, yep. Uh, which, Bryn has all the context for this, would, would again very much confirm the conception that these are first world, uh, first world mutated wyverns. Yep. Tainted is the wrong word, they haven't necessarily been made worse, they're just different. Yep. Um, and they're very much unconsciously picking their way around the remnants of Puck's energy that were here. Um, Secondly, uh, what Bryn can tell is that these wyverns are not stopping for long. There is no evidence to suggest they have stopped to sleep. They have stopped briefly to sort of rest wings, hunt, that kind of thing. But very much imagine an army driven um, to just keep going on. They're driven beyond what normal wyverns would do, normal wyverns being moderately stupid and very self-centred. Um, these ones are much more, um, I think, driven is the mm. word I'm looking for. Um, secondly, uh, it is quite hard to track them from here um, because they have not walked politely along the mm. ground and left cracks like this. On the other hand, you are talking about a lot of them, and it becomes obvious when Bryn looks at enough of the claw marks that they are going northeast, stack thornwards, um, and they are coming from uh, south southwest west. So that would take us out of the Abbey at White Rose Hill into the area which used to have the army of Wyverns in its D five. Correct. And then possibly into um C6, where um, Alora Rusk's camp was? Possibly. That is as much as she can get from what she um, gets here. Okay. So at this point, you're here. Wyverns, she will show Mikhail the bits of tracks, came from that way. Alright. So we keep heading that direction then. Best we can do for now. Okay. And we will head into D5. Okay, and give me another survival check. So this is the very definition of in- intimate tracks. Yeah. Uh, intermittent, sorry. Intermittent tracks. You can't um, follow them from point A to point B because they just take off and fly for random chunks of it. And that's another poor roll. That's a 29. Okay. This is, however, getting easier. These Sweet. ones are much fresher. Sweet. You can actively find wyvern spore and that sort of thing. Yeah. Whatever else these things are, they're alive. They behave like actual wyverns. They yeah. need to eat, they need to breathe, blah, 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 blah. Um, they have come from west. Right. Pure west. So C5 takes us to the Hungerdark. Yes, indeed it does. As we head into a totally unexplored, head from an unexplored hex into another unexplored hex. So yes, we press on into C5. Okay. And at this point, that, uh, that environmental effect that we were talking about, yeah, Bryn, Bryn can see it now. Um, there are long claw marks in the ground, and 
deeply rent into the earth. And it looks as though as you head for this sort of this area heads into forest in the Brackland Mountains, you're basically heading through a bit of forest towards the foot of the Brackland Mountains. And once you get past a certain point, the trees themselves have just begun to fall as it looks like a great force of flying creatures have come up in great in a great hurry and just smashed and bowled through a bunch of trees. So imagine uh, an arbitrary plane runaway that starts in the middle of the forest. <laughs> it's, it's just kind of run the trees over <laughs> on their way out. And there are long claw marks, and at this point... Um, Bryn can now follow this with such ease that she only needs to roll for it. Uh, any reasonable tracker could follow this pretty easily. What you have are hundreds of claw marks, as if a bunch of wyverns have come somewhat out of the ground. Bryn can track this back, and there is a big cave in the foot of what becomes Mount Brathland um, that, lead, that drops away into darkness. And it looks as though for a while now, maybe a couple of weeks, uh, at this point she can give me a tracking chief. There's information here that isn't obvious. The location is obvious. Ugh. And it's another 29. Stupid dice. I believe they've come from here. <laughs> Says Michaela. Right, Bruno indeed concurs. Um, so... It looks like the wyverns have come bursting out of this cave in a hurry, literally clawing shreds of earth out of the ground as they go, climbing over the top of each other in their urge to get out, in their urge to hunt. Uh, it is the sort of behavior that Bryn has only seen when animals are either desperately fleeing something, like a fire, or when they are desperately pursuing something, like animals that are absolutely starving and, and finally see prey. Yet neither of those things seems to be the case here. The behavior is coming without apparent cause. Uh, it's, it's strange wyvern behavior, essentially. Um, but this drops away into this big dark cave complex, sort of underneath the 500-odd-foot-tall um, cliff. Um, and as Brim listens at it, she can hear from in there scrabbling of claws on rock and below a deep <laughs> rhythmic breathing like a great engine. Something big down there. I would say that we have found the location of the mother of wyverns. I think so. You are of course able to see in the dark with your uh, with your magical equipment, I will need a moment, says Michaela. Reaches in, pulls out her useless wand. Yeah. <laughs> waves it around in the air. And there, I have cast a spell of dark vision upon myself so that I can see. Bryn makes a sense mode of shit. Sure, knock yourself out. Uh, 27. Oh, she tanked that horrendously. I rolled insanely well. Never mind the survival checks. This is the one Bryn wanted to... Uh, on a one, she... Uh, uh, yes, of course. Um, she's taking penalties. She's taking penalties to all this skill rolls. Skill 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 um, so that actually drops that to a 19. Yeah. Um, which gives Bryn a success with a raise. Yeah. Um, so it's what it is, is if Michaela takes out this wand... 
Um, and enchants in tones and incantation to activate it. But as she does so, something seems to strike her and confuse her for a moment. She, she looks at the wand like she can no longer remember how to work it for a moment, and then uh, Tarias, Tomaris, Estar, and invokes this in Elvish, which she otherwise wouldn't do, knowing that Bryn could speak it and would speak gobbledygook instead. Yeah. And, and literally, very much, waves it in the air and says, Go, wand, go! Alright. Um, you know, some people having spotted this might, um, you know, not Say anything about it? Yeah, it, it just, it looks so pointlessly theatrical. Bryn is not a mage, but nothing seems to happen. Michaela's behavior doesn't change in any way, and she does this like it's a vague chore that she just wants to get through. This is totally unnecessary. That's not a spell. Well, not one that you'd understand, anyway. Go on, go. You see... This, the the beef was flick of calculation. She's like, I didn't really say, oh, fuck, I didn't really say <laughs> Go on, go! Um, Bryn just kind of looks at for a moment and then kind of shrugs. She ultimately... Doesn't care. Doesn't care that <laughs> yeah, much. Yeah, you've grasped the essential Bryn that's just like, ah, she's fucking weirdos. Yeah. Um, Bryn would totally comment on it and then just kind of move on. So Bryn kind of... Um, looks at her, visibly loses interest in the subject, and moves over to sort of begin scouting out the cave and kind of eyeing it up. Yep. So, if the mother is, if the mother of all wyverns, the Eater of Kings, is in there, then we must stop it, and whatever first world energies are feeding this wave of wyverns. Protect the kingdom. Kill it. For once, you and I are in agreement. We'll need to be quiet. Ah, uh, yes. That rather hasn't been my forte. Calen uh, big and noisy too. I'm used to it. I am capable of rendering myself invisible, or I could put the tower shield away <laughs> briefly. Would make you a little bit quiet. Then only four bears stampeding it would, as opposed to five bears. Invisible might not be so bad. Probably it goes off smell mostly. Okay, and uh, Michaela will, cursing to herself under her breath, um, cast... Visibility is a minute per level, so that will probably get her through the cave complex, but it really depends how big it is. Uh, Bryn can actually make me a knowledge nature check here if she wants to guesstimate at this. But it's um, not... For, for a nature-wielding character, Bryn has the worst knowledge nature. Um, why has she got 2 plus 12 plus 4 equals 7? And what? Knowledge nature. Uh, it's probably 2 plus a half. Oh, right, I see. Yep, two plus a half. She plus has four. half a rank in knowledge nature. <laughs> she's so half-assed her knowledge nature for a wolf girl. She, she's trained in it so that she yeah. can use it, and then that's about it. It's, yeah. never, it's never been a class skill. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, so she's got a 15 on that. The, the trait she took makes survival a class skill. Yeah, she's but, got great survival. But not um, knowledge nature. 
And so, she's never, she was originally going to cross class as ranger, but it never went there. Yeah. Alright, so, um, 15. Okay, so, uh, Bryn could only guesstimate wildly. These caves could be anywhere between, it could be three, it, it could be 30 meters back, and there's just a big cavern with a big ass wyvern sitting in it, or it could be miles and miles and miles of endless tunnels and caverns. Can't say how big it is. Can't say how big the cave is. Might be better to save the spell. In that case, I will. I will indeed save it. Very well. Chunk puts the tower shield away. I will follow your direction as best I'm able. Bryn will kind of eye her up a little bit. You don't look like like me, but you're a good fighter. We'll kill this thing for the kingdom. For Kayla. For the pack. A lot of days I wish I had your strength. To be able to do it just on your own two feet. But steel may not be your way, but it will certainly aid me. Bryn looks thoughtful and then slightly awkward. Sometimes I wish I was... good at people stuff, like you. You know all the people stuff. Queen should know that stuff. You have become remarkably better at it, and more aware of the mores of society and civilization than you were. Stupid politics. That's what Cameron says. Quite certain he does, but politics is the lifeblood of a kingdom. (laughs) I'm working on it. And you're doing well. And it hasn't Bryn, gone unnoticed. Bryn will look down and then smile. Yeah. Okay, and you're going to sneak into this cabin. They are, and they have a bonding moment. Yep. A quiet, awkward bonding moment. And then, yes, Bryn is going to sneak into this cabin. Cool. Michaela is even noisier than Kaelin, but Bryn is accustomed to covering from an incredibly noisy person. So, Michaela puts her tower shield away, yep. uh, removing nine points of armor check penalty from your stealth check. And Bryn thanks her. Um, she is, however, then at a minus four armor check penalty. Yep. Um, which you have to take. Yep. And because you are using your skills to cover Michaela, you are then at another minus four. Ooh, ouch. As Michaela seems to almost get lost down here, like she is trying to follow your directions, and then her eyes glaze slightly as if she has heard something completely different. And, you know, Bryn hisses to her, I said left. You said right. I'm certain of it. I said left. Yes, this time you did. Hmm? Uh, you are also forced to suck the Tanya's penalty here, because, um... Alright, so I've got a minus eight. Correct. Cool. It so... could be worse with the tower shield that gets much worse. Yeah, yeah she can just da- damn well draw the thing on her first action. Alright, Bryn is rolling a move silently check? Yes, she is. Alright. And fortunately, you can both see in the dark. Makes life a lot easier for you. Bryn rolls a 20. Cool. So... With the, uh, that's a 37 with the Michaela's contribution of a minus 8. Bryn has had a lot of practice at this specific thing. 37, did you say? 37. Sneak, sneaking up on giant monsters while covering from the noise of a big, annoying, clanky person. Well done. That is one point higher than you need it to be. 
Bryn kicks mother of Wyvern's sorry punk ass. So, what is happening in this cave complex as you creep your way down is a lot of Wyverns have come through here. Bryn can trivially follow these tracks. They're recent. They're in hard stone and mud, that kind of thing. I'm not going to bother making you roll for this sort of thing. Um, they have, however, just come from nowhere. Wyverns have not gone into this cave. Wyverns have come out of this cave as if they had just been produced here in mass. Um, and indeed, you actually find not one but two wyverns coming up and coming out of this cave complex in a great hurry, whereupon, based on the tracks you've seen, they just kind of go and hang around a bit until there's enough of them, and then they take off Staghornwoods. Um, I would assume that both you and Michaela are going to pass up the opportunity to kill a couple of random wyverns oh, yeah. in favour of being quiet. So you duck low, they go straight past you without the slightest sign that they see or perceive you. Brun and Michaela are both effortlessly bright enough to work out that Stagthorn does not need to be protected from the terrifying threat of two wyverns. Um, they are unusually focused um, and, and just ignore you entirely and go straight past you. And you hear scramble, scramble, scramble as they climb out into the wilderness, knock over another tree, and off they go. Yeah. Um, you creep down following that <sighs> huffing breath, and you get down to the bottom of this cave complex. And it does go for a while, although not um, phenomenally deep. You were talking about ten minutes to get to the bottom of this. Still glad Michaela didn't spend her invisibility at that point. Yeah, it would it would actually last through, I believe, because it's one minute per level. Oh, right, so yeah. interrupt it. Greater invisibility falls down. Yeah. But you didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. It could have easily been two hours to the bottom. Yeah. Um, and Bryn can very easily, with her perception track, then, okay, let's probably follow the huge breathing yeah. noise. Where's it coming from? And you come out into a cavern complex, which is a big cave. Um, there are bones everywhere in it. Not new things, old things. Shattered, broken bones. Um, a few bits of random gear scattered here and there. A lot of things have been killed and eaten here over a lot of years. Many of them people, from the looks of things. Um, and in the back of the cavern, there is a gargantuan wyvern that looks bloated and off and strange. For starters, at some point, this was just a gargantuan wyvern. Now, however, in the bottom of this cavern, the air is rippling with energy. You can feel the hairs standing up on the back of your hands. You have actually felt this before in places, the energy of the first world, just the sheer amount of life that is flowing out into this place. Um, and you see Minos of Shard, the mother of wyverns in the back. Having not seen her previously, you can only guess at what the change has been, but presumably sitting on top of this portal of first world energy has changed her. She is bigger, enormous, with a swollen stomach. And as she sits there breathing, she... And an egg begins to come out of the back of her. And you realize what is making up the floor of this cavern, covering up several of the old bones, is just eggs. Upon eggs. Upon eggs. 
upon eggs. She is giving birth at an extraordinary rate. <laughs> okay, so when they call it the mother of wyverns... This can't be normal. Yeah. If this was how it was previously, then the land would be overrun. There would be thousands and possibly millions of wyverns. Yeah. Um, this is Titania's doing. Yeah. The, the bloom has started here, and this is what it is doing. Yeah. Whether or not she's um done this to Minister Shard um, with her permission, without her permission, it's just a side effect, whatever, or yeah. what is Dan telling her, the wyverns are going straight for Elk's Rest. Yeah. And that is what you have, a gigantic, supernaturally pregnant wyvern yeah. that is rapidly giving birth to eggs. Yeah. Um, which, based on their speed, are hatching at extraordinary rates. And that is what lies before you. Yep. And that's probably where we'll leave it be. Yep, and the two of them, uh, and the two um, rather small-looking heroes look thoughtfully at the enormous wyvern. God's blood. Big hunt. Oh, yes. <laughs> Dun-dun-dun!